0: Hey readers, welcome to the Bramford Public Library's Box Book Talks. I'm Leanna. And I'm Laura. We are two Library 11 Techs working in the Child and Youth Programming Department with a passion for children's literature, and this is the place to discover new and exciting book recommendations for kids. In each episode, we discuss a book we've read together as a buddy read, and then we choose a variety of titles for different ages based upon theme. We will explore books, spoiler-free, available at the library in print and digital form, which include picture books, junior fiction, and graphic novels. So find your favorite book nook, get comfy, and let's get started! Hi Leanna. Hello listeners, welcome to Juicebox Book Talks. We're here for our March discussion. What is our March discussion? So we are using this month to celebrate March break and one of the themes for March break at the library is discovery. So we're going to discuss books and discovery books about books and stories and the idea of sharing our stories powerful stories libraries all the different ways mm-hmm. get our reading how we share our reading and how important these books are in our lives totally So, the other thing, um, so it is about March break. We will talk a little bit about the March break break activities at the end of the show. Um, But I did want to make a note that February 20th to 26th, which was last week, because we're recording today, it's March 1st, last week, it was the Freedom to Read week. So, we didn't have the opportunity to use Freedom to Read week as a whole episode because we did do Black History Month, which was awesome. So I just wanted to mention Freedom to Read Week because I think a lot of the books we are going to discuss today tie in those themes of Freedom to Read Week. Absolutely, for sure. Big time, especially our buddy Reed. Yes, which is Ellison Barnes' Property of the Rebel Librarian. So this is one I've seen on the shelf for at least three years. Is it 2018 or 2019? 2018. Okay. It has an awesome cover. It's just totally, you know, a library book that you would see on all the display shelves. Always caught my eye. Just never made it back home with me. Same, same, totally. So this one... I will say I did look up a little bit about the author, Allison Barnes Bairn, and yeah. Barnes. Barnes. Barnes? Barnes. She'll let us know. So <laughs> she, she is a former teacher. And one of the reasons why she wrote this book is because she dealt with censorship in her school in the States. So she had a lot of books that were challenged that she wanted to use in the curriculum, including The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. And of course, Harry Potter. Potter, which is always problematic because a lot of the parents said it taught witchcraft. So there was a lot of challenges and she had to fight for her teacher rights to use these books. So she dealt with a lot of complaints. And one of the themes in the property of the Rubble Librarian is censorship and how a school board challenges books based on one or, you know, not many individuals having a problem with it. So in this In this book, we have June Harper, she's in grade seven. She's a good student, she's quiet. And the book opens, bam, with her getting in trouble by her parents because she's reading a book that they deem too scary for her, but it's one of her favorite books. Right. And she's like, I'm not scared to read this. Why are you telling me not to read this? And we find out soon after that her beloved librarian at the school has booked an author event from the writer of, from the, that book. So what happens, Laura? That's it. Like that's, that's the, like, that's the spiral of events that like just
1: like lit, lights the flame basically. And it's really sad to think like, I don't, I mean, I don't know how you felt reading this because I mean, Leanne and I are both parents. We have children, school-aged children. And all I could think was, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like to a certain extent, I definitely shelter my kids, but not, not to the extent where I'm like, taking certain books away and wanting to go through their library and the school library and Mm -hmm. read everything and see what they've, and like, I don't know, like, I mean, I get, there's a certain point where you, as a parent, like you want to shelter them and filter things to a certain extent. There's also a point as a parent where you want them to be exposed to things as well so they can learn and develop and grow from there. So that's a, it was a really hard book to read as, first of all, as a library worker, but also as a parent, because I'm like, oh my gosh, like
0: yeah. Anyway, I, just, I can't give away too much of the book, right? No, of course we always say no spoilers, but yeah, you mentioned that the big message in this book is that it is definitely up to parents to decide what is appropriate mm. for their own child, but it's not up to, sure. to decide for others. Exactly. And it's not fair that she is restricted from these books based on one single parent. Yeah. And that's what really drives the plot of this is just one yeah. single parent. She reminded me of the mother from Donnie Darko who's like has the Graham Greene problem who goes to the school. She goes to the school board meeting and says, this is trash, et cetera, et cetera. And everyone's like, okay, you don't have to read it. You yeah. don't have to read it. Right. And then June, so June is, I love the... Idea that she takes matters into her own hands. She's only in grade seven, and she's like, "Look, this isn't right." And of course, the books that are being confiscated are all of a sudden interesting to the student population. Absolutely, our parents or these people who are trying to take them off the shelves don't understand. Once you tell them not to read <laughs> <Yeah>. something, <laughs> Guess they one hundred percent are going to want to read that book. So That's all right. start rallying around June saying. I heard you had a copy of this book. Do you have this book? And she starts a little rebel librarian library in her locker. So they go to locker 319 to receive these banned off limits books. So she starts a little business and it's, I was so proud of her. If she was my daughter, I'd be like, bite the power, June, you're doing the right thing. So it was it was interesting. She's friends. I mean, there's a lot of the friendship issues you find in middle school. There's a boy. Yeah. And then she's starting and realizing that that boy is a little, not exactly what she thought because he's very judgmental Mm -hmm. and his parents are just very straight edge restrict. Like they think that she's like this rebel while she is a rebel, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but So I liked how friendship was handled. I liked how she started to meet new friends who had different interests and she was sort of navigating her life and her, like, it's very much coming of age. Um, I liked her endorsement of these unsuitable books because again, like these are, we're talking about Coraline. We're talking about The Outsiders, The Graveyard Book, The Lightning Thief. All these books are mentioned in the book. I I I know. When a child or a young reader picks up this book, they're going to highlight all those titles and be like, I hope so. Someone has a problem with that. I'm going to try that. And she asks, and June is so smart. She's just, she's a great character. She's a great role model. And I love that she asks, what magical age do I have to be before I can read whatever I want? Like, what is right. magical age? Like, I'm in grade seven. Is it grade nine? Is it grade 10? Well, no, June, because they're, they're taking the books off the high school library shelves too. So... What is that age where it's okay? So this one, I thought it was awesome. I'm so glad we finally found it. Like, yeah, found it to fit because it has been on my radar. It's the perfect Freedom to Read Week book. It's a perfect book about books and the power of libraries and the importance of libraries and how awesome librarians are. It's just totally and
1: teachers too. I mean, that's a thing in this book. Teachers are really put to the test too in this book. And I'm like, you know what? Like, wave to be teachers because they're encouraging kids to like think for themselves as well. So, I mean, yeah, there's a a lot of things in this book that I got like fired up about. So, also things that I like, I laughed about too that I loved as well. So,
0: yeah. Well, fired up, that's a great way to describe it because the whole idea that they started a witch hunt based on one basically, based on one parent's disapproval. What is just mind-boggling to me so I yeah I, I think it's awesome everyone should check out this one that's Allison Barnes property of the of rebel, the rebel librarian. librarian please read it okay I have to jump right in to my first middle grade do it because I have so many notes about rebel librarian and this one and I keep getting the books mixed up because they pair they pair so well okay so I read Alan Gratz's Ban This Book. So Alan Gratz, we know him well for a lot of his, his historical fiction that deals with like um, wars and just catastrophic events. So this one delves a little, he's doing something a little different. He's got a contemporary book from 2017 called Ban This Book. Okay, so again, Ban This Book. This is middle school. This is about censorship. Once again, we've got this incredible upstart of a young lady. Her name is Amy Ann. She's a little younger than June. She's in grade four. I love her. Like, I just, I adore this girl. I don't know where Alan Grotz got, like, he just, I don't know how he's able to speak from this young female's, like, perspective, but he does it so well because he really captures what it's like to be in fourth grade. Like, he just, it's, it's so good. So Amy Ann is, she's a sweet student. She's the oldest of three. And the the story opens with her going to her library, her, pub, her school library to get her book that isn't on the shelf. And she's distraught. She's always reading this book. She's always borrowing it. And one day she goes and she's like, where's my book? And she finds out from her librarian that it's been removed from her middle school library. And she's like, "She does, Amy Ann doesn't understand this. She's She's quite young. She says, like, what do you mean it's dangerous? Like she's, she's beyond devastated. So she's this fourth grader. She starts to find a voice because she immediately understands after talking to her parents that it's not right that this is like her parents say, well, we can buy you one. We can buy you your own copy. We can go to the store and get your, your own book. And Amy Ann's like, well, but what about people who can't just go to the store? And I'm just like, Yeah. In grade four. Is is she from Texas? Like, uh, like maybe she should be, uh, talking to the uh, anyway, honestly, um, she was just like, don't get me wrong. She's, she showed a lot of maturity in being like standing up for the other students. She starts this banned book library in her locker, similar to prop like rebel library. Go, Yep. And she, she's able to just sort of you, like she's very shy and she doesn't stick up for herself. So she's very like nervous to speak at like in front of teachers or even sometimes in front of her parents. Like she's very, she's nervous. So for her to stick up for what she wants, because she's the oldest, she's always missing out on stuff because her younger siblings get everything. She always has to make sacrifices for her own siblings. And that really comes out in the book quite a lot. So when she discovers that the librarian has to remove these books and that she actually loses her job so she takes a stand and she fights for not only her librarian the librarian's job but for the rest of the students at her school like i think gratz really did this amazing this made this authentic voice in amy ann and i just i just loved her i love the cover art it's a charming story i love all the references to the books both classic and modern throughout the book Mm. i highly recommend this one this is ban this book by alan gratz all
1: right i am here with my uh my two middle grade picks for this month so my first is written by um one of my i'm sure everyone's favorites uh is kate DiCamillo, and ironically enough Um, I mean, some of her books have definitely been challenged in the past. I thought this was a really fitting book to read. I mean, the book itself, this book itself isn't one that's going to be challenged, obviously, but in the past, she has definitely written things that make you think. So this book is called The Beatrice Prophecy. It is her brand new book. It's illustrated also by Sophie Blackle, and it came out last summer of 2021, and it's It's a beautiful book. Um, The cover is amazing. The artwork is stunning throughout it. It's haunting. Like, it's just beautiful. Um, So the Beatrice Prophecy, here I go. Uh, Imagine a time when knowing how to read and write could mean your death especially if you're a 10 year old girl. Only monks and royalty could read and write during medieval times. And that is when the Beatrice prophecy is set. Before libraries existed, there were no libraries then. The monks were the ones who would transcribe stories and they were the ones that would keep those stories as well. Um, so the story begins with a girl is found in a barn with, a, with the goat, he's a very spirited goat and she has no memory of who she is other than her name which is Beatrice. So listen, Katie Camillo is just a fantastic storyteller. If you've ever read any of her books, you will know this. But what I'm going to tell you about this book is it's just amazing. And it also sends you down a bit of a rabbit hole to wanting to research a little bit about like medieval times and like the monks, everything like that. Um, I'm going to read you the, the The first line of the book, which is, it is written in the Chronicle of Sorrowing that one day there will come a child who will unseat a king. The prophecy states that this child will be a girl. Because of this, the prophecy has long been ignored. That's how the book starts. So, you know, this is a story about empowerment for women, empowerment in general. Um, I mean, it's just a great book. And the thing is, back then, I mean, the monks were the ones who who kept all the stories. It's a great thing. What I, what I love about the book though is really the character of the goat. The goat itself is a character in itself. Like he's a spiteful little goat until he meets this Beatrice and he shows a different side of himself. But what I love about this is that To me, like Kate DiCamillo is the goat. Like, she's the greatest of all time when it comes to kids' literature, really. So, the fact that she put this goat as this like spunky character in this book, I'm like, I don't know if it's intentional because she probably is like Meryl Streep, who's very humble and doesn't think she's all that great. But Kate DiCamillo, like, honestly, come on, like, everybody loves you. You're fantastic. You are, you're the goat. You are. So, that was the Beatrice prophecy. I think I rambled a bit, but I. I just love her. She's great. She's such a good storyteller. Like the characters, everything just awesome. Okay. All right. My second middle grade pick is Escape from Mr. Limoncello's Library by Chris Grabenstein, which I am embarrassed to say that I had never picked up the Mr. Limoncello series before. So this is number one in the series and it's an adventure. Like it really is from, like, from page one. Like if you love scavenger hunts and games and trivia and you pair that with books, like this is just an amazing story. So the story is set in Alexandriaville, which hasn't had a public library for 12 years because the building was sold so that they could you know build apartment buildings or something like that can you imagine not having a public library Um, weird anyway and I I love the town I know I know the town Alexandriaville I thought was a really good homage to like to libraries and their foundations because the first um first library ever in existence was in Greece in Alexandria so um the story begins with our main character, Kyle Keeley. He is an avid game fan, like in terms of board games, video games, everything. He comes from a family that loves games as well. And the world's most famous game maker, Mr. Limoncello, has designed their new public library, which is about to open. And Kyle is determined to be a part of the invitation-only lock-in party to open this library so the book is really it's a real page turner it will truly keep you on your toes it's very Roald dollish. it's very like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory like with your different characters your quirky characters your different things that you have to achieve throughout the story and to, to prove your worth right to prove that you are worthy of that library experience, everything. I love um, that it's a story about collaboration. It's a story about, you know, using what you know and working together with other people. I mean, your your TBR list is just going to be, it's going to grow exponentially when you read this book. And I love that they constantly refer to the Dewey Decimal System, which I feel like a lot of kids don't know about. So, which is really sad when you come to visit the library. It's just, honestly, it's a great book. And it's such an homage to public libraries everywhere. So I definitely highly recommend Escape from Mr. Limoncello's Library by Chris Grabenstein. Amazing.
0: I will definitely co-sign on that one. And it's an amazing series. I think if you like Mysterious Benedict Society, it reminded me a lot of that one. It parallels well really really well. And it's such a fun read. The sequels and all the follow-ups are really awesome. And it's nice that we had a book that had a male protagonist because I think when right. we, were, we were researching this topic and reading in library it's, it's a lot of it's a lot of young girls which is not a problem yeah. not a problem but mm-hmm. yeah, no. all the boys yeah. in libraries so I think a great segue from Mr. Limoncello's library is my next middle grade and that is Amy Rebecca Tan's A Kind of Paradise so this one is 100% set in a public library and we have Seventh grader named Jamie Bunn, who recently got in trouble at school. You don't find out what exactly happened, but she's in trouble. And her community service is volunteering at her public library. Jamie's completely I was gonna say she's completely bummed out. She's completely bummed out. Because I mean, who wants to work at the library? Boring, uh, Right. Eight, seven. Why don't <laughs> go to that? graveyard of a place with dusty books and anyway so she this is her punishment for making a mistake at the end of the school year she has to spend her summer volunteering at the public library and this honestly in a middle grade was the perfect glimpse into working at an actual public library I've been there for 110 years, I mean, 18 years, it's been a long time. (laughs) I thought she did it really well because each chapter is based on a different patron and like a person who she's seeing regularly coming into the library. She knows the guy with the black hat coming in because he gets all the DVDs. She knows that other older gentleman who always talks about his older kids and what they've done in their lives and how successful they are because he's lonely and he has no one else to talk to like she's like mm. I I get it now like I it's not just you know helping check out books it's building these relationships with these people who are coming in the library and I thought it was just mm. a beautiful testament about the importance of libraries and I know it's so easy for us to say stuff like that because we've, absolutely we've but- both worked at the library for so long but it's so true and there's a little bit of, you know, there's some sad moments, um, there's some happy moments, like she really starts to just get into her group, because she's understanding, like she, she has a coworker who kind of takes her under her wing, becomes a bit of a mentor. And she says, mm-hmm. like, you know, the 12 to 16 year olds are the most underused, population in the library and I'm like I know I do teen programming and teen teen programming it's so true and she's dealing with of course Amy she's in grade seven of course she has some friendship issues she's dealing with some mean girl problems so that's all woven in I love how the author sprinkles tons of bookish quotes throughout the book I think it, it was great I love the library setting I love the fact that she finds out fairly quickly that this really isn't a punishment because she's enjoying herself so much and she's learning a lot about the library but about herself and the struggles of people outside her bubble the people in the community and like she's you know she's growing up and learning just from this little temporary volunteer spot at her library I loved it definitely check it out it's Amy Rebecca Tan's A Kind of Paradise and it has fantastic cover I'll just say that these covers are awesome
1: so I have um, my picture book selections for this month. Let me just tell you, there are a ton of great picture books out there that focus on books in libraries. There are all kinds of great ones. So I've picked three that I really, um, I really enjoyed, and I I picked books that I, I feel focus more on the library than the books necessarily, but they do of course and take in books. But anyway, my first book is called The Library Bus. It is by Baram Raman and illustrated by. Gabrielle Grimard. It is up for the Blue Spruce Award this year with Forest of Reading. It was a finalist last year for the Governor General Award and it is a beautiful and like a thought provoking story too, as well. So uh, just a little bit about um, Bahram Rahman. He is a, he came to Canada in 2012 as an Afghan uh, refugee. And he's written this story um, about his experience In Afghanistan, in a time, he said, like, I grew up during war, like war was all that I knew. And this is a book about um, more so about women and uh, children who are girls uh, during those kind of that time because it's it's not like here in Canada. That's, let's just say that our book begins. We meet Pari and she's starting her first day helping her mom on the library bus. Her mom runs the library bus. So we think about bookmobiles as these great fun things here in Canada or in North America, which I'm sure they are. I don't we don't have one in Brantford. That would be a ton of fun, but a library bus in Kabul is not the same sort of experience. I mean, it is in the sense that it's providing what we would provide, but in a different sort of way. So it's a bus with no seats, it only has shelves, and they're full of books. The bus visits small villages and refugee camps where children, especially girls, are not provided with access to education or books. This book is, like I said, it's a conversation starter about the harsh realities of like what's going on outside of our world here in Canada. Um, it's a story of hope. It's a story of perseverance. It's a story of, you know, finding that hope inside you to want to do the things that, you know, that will be available to you beyond what you see in front of you. Um, the illustrations are just, they're detailed and they're beautiful. The use of colors are really subtle and I just love them because they're subtle and they're bold all at the same time. And I love especially that the bust is teal and I researched like what does teal mean? What's the meaning of the color teal? And the one thing I found says that it represents open communication and clarity of thought. So I love that the symbolism of that color for the bust um, It's just the end papers are just a piece of artwork like uh, I just loved it and there's one line in the book that I really liked and the mom says to Pari, how does learning make you feel and Pari says free, free with an exclamation mark. So that was The Library Bust by Baram Rahman, illustrated by Gabrielle Grimard. Beautiful book. I hope that it wins the Blue Spruce this year. I mean, I think about everything though, because they're all great books. Anyway, my next book is All of the Factors of Why I Love Tractors. So let's just say, we're gonna start this because Leanna was like, why are you picking a book about tractors? And what does it have to do with libraries? this is the thing I'm going to preface this by telling you that I there's if there's one sort of picture book that I love I love books about trucks trucks and tractors like they're my jam like I love those books like give me any of those to read for story time I am in and anyone that comes to my story times they know that too so I was like yeah this is great and then I'm like but what does this have to do with libraries but when I read it I learned why so it's it's an again it's an homage to um to libraries and going in and finding the information in the books that you that you want so those the main character in the book is Frankie McGee and he loves tractors but most importantly he loves books about tractors and the book goes on to tell you all the things that he has learned about tractors through books that he's gotten at the library so it's rhyming text it's fun to read aloud the end papers, which illustrated by Jenny Lovely. I mean, they're amazing. The end papers to me could be an eye spy, like they're so much fun. You could even be like make them into a wallpaper or wrapping paper. They're beautiful. Um, it's just, it's a great book. It's, it's adorable. It's fantastic. And again, like I, and I'm going to quote another line from this one too. I was like really big on the quotes this month. Um, I like books that's what matters not what they're about so that's the great thing this book is great because yeah it's a little bit about tractors but it's also about like that you can find all these great things that you like at your public library so awesome that was all the factors of why I love tractors by Davina Bell and illustrated by Jenny Lovely okay next one I've got three I'm gonna go through it quickly. My next one is called Dear Reader, A Love Letter to Libraries, written and illustrated by Tiffany Rose. This one just came out. We just got it in the library and it is awesome. Like the cover is great. There are so many details the illustrations are fantastic. Uh, Tiffany Rose, you are phenomenal. I love your end papers. The end papers are um, the book pockets. It's like a collage of book pockets. So it's just so much fun. Um, So this, like it says, it's a love letter to libraries. I love um, her dedication to her mom in the book is all about giving her money to go to the Scholastic Book Fairs. Like, come on. I can relate to that.
0: Totally. That was, that was like it's the highlight better. of a school year, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes.
1: Okay. So her love of books is definitely represented in this book. She talks about how much she loves books. She mm-hmm. loved libraries, but she also talks about the lack of representation that she found in fictional stories in her public library. Tiffany Rose is a, a black um, female illustrator, an author. So she's right. Like there was a time where it was you didn't see representation in picture books and uh even in chapter books necessarily. I mean in the nonfiction you would, but she was like, nope, I'm gonna change that. And she said, I once read that if the path you want doesn't exist, create it. And so she has. She's done that with this book and other books that she's done before. It's just a great book about how much she loves library. She loves books. It's great. Dear reader, a love letter to libraries written and illustrated by Tiffany Rose.
0: I love that you brought up representation because I think your yeah. theme with these books, because mm-hmm. yes, they're books about books, but I mentioned stories and how powerful stories are and how we need different people and their diversity and their different experiences to be telling totally. these stories. It's not yes. just about me in the library here in Canada. Right. Going. I need to know about others and we need those stories and want my next book again. The the most brilliant segues, if I've ever had a segue. You're welcome. Is, thank you, Laura. Is Uma Krishna Swamy's Book Uncle and Me. And this is an emergent reader. It's an early, re- it's an early um, junior fiction chapter book. So it's got the big letters. It's under a hundred pages or just over a hundred pages. Little bit of illustrations throughout. It is absolutely beautiful. The story will warm your heart. And one of the things Uma talks about when she discusses this book is how she- when she was growing up in India, there wasn't a lot of stories out there set in India or about a young child in India. So she wrote something, she said, you know, 30 years later, there's a lot more, but back in the day, it was basically the jungle book. That was that was basically all there was was like it's way. so true, right? So she writes this lovely story set in India about a little girl named Yasmin. And again, here's another young character who I just who's got a social conscience, who's a bit of an upstart, who wants to like stick up for what she believes in. And Yasmin has set her life mission to read a book a day. I'm gonna read one book a day. That's her life's mission. And the way she does this is by visiting the book uncle's book cart. So she goes every day down the street from her apartment to book uncle who has this like little decrepit little stand-up cart with books. And on it, it says books free, give one, take one, read, read, read. So book uncle's lending library, it's amongst the broken pavement and crooked trees mm. and mud puddle where he puts up these little wood planks to set up the books. And that's where this little girl goes every day to get a book. It's, it's amazing. And she's so lovely and sweet. Until so one day, Book Uncle is told that he has to give up his book cart, which is basically a little free library. He's like manning a little free library. Totally, right? Yeah. He, he all of a sudden needs a permit to have this book cart and he can't afford this book cart because he's retired, he lives off this little pension, he doesn't have money to purchase book um, permits and stuff. And in the background, there's this election going on and yet young Yasmin works to sort of rally the new mayor to like keep the shop little book cart open. It's like, it's amazing. Like who, who does this at such a young age? Kids who love reading kids who value stories, kids who value books and information. It's beautiful. I love her quirky parent. Like the, the whole book has a bit of quirkiness to it. There's like laugh out loud moments. It's charming. It's about community activism and friendship and family and overall the magic and love of books. It was great. That's Book Uncle and Me by Uma Krishnaswamy. Okay, my next three books are picture books. And like Laura had mentioned, there's tons of picture book opportunities to read about libraries and books. Totally, totally. There's too much to choose from. So these are the three that I'm quickly going to go through because we do not have all day and we don't want this to be two hours long (laughs) as much as we try each time. Okay, my first picture book is Please Louise by Toni Morrison and Slade Morrison. Yes, the Toni Morrison wrote a picture book. You know, the lady who won the Pulitzer Prize among hundreds of other prizes this story is adorable it's cute it's about a little girl who's just going to the library she's it's a rainy gloomy gray day things are not looking very exciting it's a bit you know what the story starts it's a bit depressing it's dark and rainy and she's got a little yellow slicker and her yellow boots and her little red reagan and she's like look I'm gonna go out I'm gonna follow the sunshine where's the sunshine it's at the library because she goes to the library and when she chooses those books and leaves the library, the sun is shining because that's what books do, people. So true. They shine. Books shine. Shine. They turn those gray days into sunshine days. Tony Morrison true. used to work in a library. She knows the importance oh. of libraries. Of she course does. she does. <laughs> she I of course she does. Tony, we love you. We know you're listening to this. So right please write more, write more picture books too. Okay. So yes, books can teach and please Louise. That's how it ends. It ends. There's a rainbow. It's, it's a, it's a wonderful little picture book. That's please Louise by Toni Morrison and her son, Slade Morrison, illustrated by Shadras Strickland. Okay. My next picture book is White Raven by Tioni Spathofar illustrated by Natasha Davies. So this is a brand new book I just saw on the shelf. And the reason why it caught my eye is because the cover, the illustrations are absolutely gorgeous. The cover has a grandmother with a granddaughter in her lap and two other granddaughters sitting with her as she's reading. So all grown up with a family of her own, Little Wolf moves from the big city to the island of her ancestors. She wants to share the beauty and mysteries of nature with her children, and she wants them to learn as much about their culture as possible. One day, Little Wolf's mother, White Raven, visits and begins to tell her grandchildren stories from her own childhood. But the stories are not happy ones. As a child, White Raven left her family to attend St. Michael's residential school in Alert Bay, BC. While there, she experienced hunger, loneliness, shame, and isolation from her language and her culture. Even years later, as a grown woman and elder, she has nightmares about her time at the school. But by sharing her story with Little Wolf and her grandchildren, White Raven begins to heal and brings the family closer together. This is a beautiful story. It is part of a trilogy, but it can be read alone. As an, like a standalone picture book, but there is one before Little Wolf, which is the story of the daughter, and one after. And I think this tied in with our theme really well because it is yep. about the power of stories and how yes. we use our stories, whether it's or like it's from a, whether it's from a book or just memories or for a fo- from a photo album. It's just it's so important, and it's important to engage these stories um, with our families to heal because it is really about Mm. the power of healing. It's a simple story, but it's heartfelt. And the vivid vivid illustrations um, are really captivating. I really enjoyed this one. That's White Raven by Tioni Spathofer. Okay, and my last picture book, which Laura left on my desk, I had not Mm -hmm. had this on my radar, is another wonderful one. This is Lucy Falcone's The Librarian's Stories, illustrated by Anna Wilson. So this one is inspired by the, the book, The Cellist of Sarajevo. Did you read that one, Laura? I did, yeah. It was yeah. popular several years ago. Yep. Yeah. And it was based on the true story of a musician who played his cello for 22 days to mark the deaths of 22 innocent people killed after the bombing of a bakery during the Bosnian War. You're probably thinking, "Oh, I thought Leanna was talking about a picture book. Leanna is still talking about a picture book. Yep. But picture books, even for our little ones, sometimes deal with some heavy important subjects and if you want to talk about some heavy and important subjects during right now today in March of 2022 and this book's about war I think it all parallels nicely with just real life and so this one this one is about a little boy who's living in an unknown country it's a war tone war torn country With his mom and dad, they're rationing food. They have to stand in long lines to get water. Dinner is like a loaf of bread. They have to split into three. It's extremely tough times. They have no freedom. It's it's very rough until one day when he's waiting in line with his dad, they hear words coming from the town square and discover the local librarian sitting in the town square on a bench reading a story. And all of a sudden just the beauty of her words and just that the stories and the characters coming to life brings that town solace and hope and just totally. and just all of a sudden unites them and fills them because it's this powerful message of hope that she's yeah. like I'm going to continue doing what I do because even though you're trying to take over whatever the war issue is she doesn't like she, she doesn't let it stop her. And one of the comments of her, that his father says when he hears her is that she's being dangerous. What a foolish lady to be, you know, to be be sitting there. And then lo and behold, it calms her. The stories calm the village. It calms the people and it unites them. And I just thought, oh, it's such a beautiful story. And the cover, like the, the librarian is just this beautiful human being. And the little boy is just in awe of her and what she symbolizes well, and I feel right. like the, the illustrations in that
1: book really like the use of like colors and lack of use of color really like bring that story home too. like that, that book is beautifully illustrated too to really convey that story too and the, the message behind it.
0: Right. Anna, Anna Wilson illustrated it. And I do, I do agree. It's, it's so captivating and so gorgeous. Yeah. Um, at one point, his mom tells him not to plant or sorry, not to water his plant because they don't have enough water. I know it has to die. it's just it's yeah it's, it's time you know I hate to say it but it's a timely picture book and it's yep. gorgeous but once again just the importance of stories yep books about persevering yes really, and hope yes right I love it. so that's yep. the librarian stories by Lucy Falcone great picks okay sorry
1: my last book is so like not that was not a good springboard for mine because mine is like this not like that at all. My emergent pick this month is called Ivy Lost and Found. And it is book one in a brand new um, series for emergent readers. and It's called the Book Buddy series. So this book is written um, by Cynthia Lord, who's a Newberry Honor winner and illustrated by Stephanie Reagan, and it is just a really sweet and charming little book. It's part of a, like I said, new series. Uh, The second book is due out later this year. It's 68 pages long, so not too heavy. Short chapters, larger font, and sweet pictures throughout the book. Um, It reminds me of Toy Story. That's what it reminds me of. It's written from a doll's perspective. The dolls played with and loved and then boxed up as the child grows, but later rediscovered when the child becomes an adult. Um, The adult who is the owner of this doll, Ivy, um, the owner is Anne, and Anne is spelt with an E, by the way, just to make that reference. I think that's, I think that's there intentionally, just saying. Um, And Anne is now a children's librarian and she's rediscovered her doll and decided to add her to the book buddy shelf in the children's section of her library the buddies are there for children to read to and play with and they can be borrowed for two weeks each um toy book buddy um, has a story of their own because they're part of this collect the special collection so you learn about how each toy became part of the collection, how Anne with an E found them. But what I love is that when you a child borrows the book, Buddy, they're also they're borrowing with it a journal where you get to like, you know, either write or draw a picture of what you did with that buddy. So every borrowing is a new adventure is what they say. It's just a great book. This first book is, of course, about Ivy, the new doll who's been added to the collection, how she's borrowed from the library. It's heartwarming. It's adorable. I cannot wait to read the second book about Marco Polo. It's super cute. So that's Ivy, Lost and Found by Cynthia Lord, illustrated by Stephanie Gregan, and it's part of the Book Buddies series. It's book one.
0: That sounds awesome, Laura. Great job. Okay. I'm going to jump in with our last book for today. And I have to say, this was the first book that popped into my head when we decided on a theme for this month so I'm going to talk about Cornelia Funk's Inkheart so this is almost like historical fiction or not historical fiction but very backlit not historical fiction yes it is (laughs) very backlist totally this came out in 2003 and I have to quickly say when I when Harry Potter the fourth Harry Potter came out um, I worked at a bookstore and it was like rock star status. Oh, yeah. And God would have thought, like to be in university working at a bookstore. And dealing with the masses of people coming in to get Goblet of Fire, it was big. Okay, so finishing university, fast forward to 2003, not quite, you know, declaring my um, (laughs) career career yet. Leanna's back at a bookstore. This book called Inkheart comes out. It was parallel to the popularity of Harry Potter. And I think a lot of the reason for that is because obviously it's fantasy, Mm -hmm. And everything was, if you liked Harry Potter, you will like Inkart. Right. (laughs) Totally. I'm here to tell you is definitely accurate. It's accurate, but it's just at this point, I just think Harry Potter should have his own little genre, like his own little category. Like it's so hard to get exactly like that. But Inkheart, look, it's just the perfect combination of fantasy, mystery, and adventure. And we have Maggie and her father, Mo. We don't know where her, her mother is. We know that her dad has a special power, but we don't quite get that at the very beginning of the story. We know that the mother has disappeared, and all of a sudden, some mysterious character comes and tells maggie and her father that her dad is needed because of his special skill now this book is 500 and i believe 36 pages oh no yes 563 pages it's not a short book these are for this book is for your strong readers totally who have read goblet of fire and beyond not the first three books of harry potter but if they can go through get goblet of fire you know and continue through that sort of length of story i would definitely recommend it to them it's got some scary scenes but it is it's thick like it's a big it's a big book so I don't recommend it to just anyone they have to be interested in actual solid storytelling because this is really exceptional storytelling I actually think it is like the kid version of Carlos Ruiz Saffron's Shadow of the Wind to be honest I I did draw a lot of parallels to Shadow of the Wind but the kid version because it is all about books Maggie and her father live and breathe books. Cornelia Funk goes into detail about how their house is filled with books. Every stairwell, like space is, it's covered in books because I love books. This is a testament to books and the importance of books. There's quotes at every, the beginning of every chapter. This is ultimately a book about books and how they can transport you. I think that's all I'm going to say about it, because I know a lot of a lot of reviews get into the actual mystery and Mm. what's going on with Maggie's dad. And I think that doesn't even happen until like page 200. Definitely check out Inkheart if you're interested in fantasy, if you like Harry Potter, and if you're giving it to your kids or your student, just make sure they can read a 500 plus page book. (laughs) They're in for the ride, right? Yeah, because it's all it's a it's a whole se- there's a whole series. Um yeah. it's wonderful. There's Ink Spell and Ink Death that are follow-ups. Great. There's just a strong emphasis on the love of books. It reminded me of Anna James's the book yeah. wanderer series. I was just gonna say, yeah. So if you like that, like it just def- it pairs well with that, with even a little more darkness to it, I would argue. Right. But definitely if you liked um the book wanderer series, definitely check out this. It's of course mm-hmm. Cornelia Funk's Ink Good picks, Leanna. Okay, that is it for today. What can we say about our March break, Laura?
1: Uh, So there will not be a juice box book talks kit this month because we have our March break kits that will be available. And we really hope that you'll uh, do the kits, take everything that's in them, especially that scavenger hunt that's available because we really want you to explore the library, Um, especially now that our new kids space is open and we've got all kinds of great things that are available for you to play with, to, to interact with that mural that we have now at the main library, all kinds of great things. So we hope you have a fantastic March break.
0: Yeah yes and the kits will be available on monday march 14th at the main library and on tuesday the 15th at st paul so pick those kits up and let us know what you think of them and happy reading and we will be back for april yay
1: thanks so much for listening today we hope we have introduced you to some new authors and children's titles all the books discussed today are available in print and digital format on either overdrive Cloud library or hoopla, please visit brantfordlibrary.ca for more information about this podcast and other fantastic programs the library has to
0: offer. Thanks. Bye-bye. Juicebox Book Talks is a Brantford Public Library podcast developed by Leanna Flamiani that's me, and me, Laura
1: Virag. Music provided by Purple Planet through purple-planet.com.